Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. So tonight, uh, we're doing our, in, in our Supernatural series, we're going to be talking about, uh, the, the title of the lesson is The Undead. So when I say The Undead, what do you think about? Think about zombies. Um, a few years ago, zombies were like really hot. Um, actually, when, like when Abby was in the youth group, um, Abby was actually in the youth group when we, she's already hanging her head in shame because we, cre- we did a series called The Walking Dead. And we had like a massacre scene on stage and we made videos to go with it. Abby, do you remember the videos? <laughs> She's like, oh yes. Uh, so I still have them on a hard drive and I may upload them to our refill YouTube um, so, so you guys can watch them. Um, they're, they're pretty good. Uh, but if you remember the zombie craze, any, you remember when everything was zombies all the time? Um, there were a few fa- facts, because um, I went back and I looked at my, all my zombie lessons, and I had the teens put together facts about zombies, and this is from Refuel, before we even call it Refuel, in 2012, Spirit Nights, these were the top facts that the youth group, which are now some youth leaders, came up with about zombies. The first is that they are everywhere. Most will eat you if you get too close. Zombies don't always attack the living, sometimes they attack the dead. A zombie attack is probably the worst thing that can happen to you, you think. Um, Of all the undead things you could become, zombies are the worst. They have become fast because our world is fast, and zombies are real. Uh, One thing we know is that zombies aren't real, although there have been people that have uh, exhibited zombie-like behaviors. I don't know if you've ever done this. I don't know if I should suggest it or not. Have you heard of the Florida Man Challenge? (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, it's just to go to Google and type in Florida man and see what it autocorrects to. Um, and uh, one of the big things a couple years ago was Florida man found on side of the road eating animal carcass because I guess he had, he had, he had his, his uh, um, pharmaceuticals got mixed up. <laughs> At least that's what they're saying. And, uh, and, and he kind of went crazy. That's the closest thing to a zombie that'll probably ever happen because zombies aren't real. People don't die and come back from the dead and, and, and do this kind of thing, even though The Walking Dead um, was like a really hot show a little while ago. Um, but tonight we're gonna talk about dead people who came back to life. And some of those dead people who came back to life are here in this room tonight. We're gonna to be talking about how you died and came back to life in Christ. Um, and as we're thinking about that, um, I, we talked in TAG about what are some problems, I don't know if you got to this question, if, if, if your TAG group did or not, um, what are some problems in our world today? Can, or I think the question was, can you think of any examples of problems in our world today? And when I asked that question in our TAG, everybody just laughed. You know, because it was kind of like one of those, well, where do you start? You know, we could look at, you know, just all the uncertainty right now with this election that we thought would be over and is still kind of like up in the balance and everybody is really not just nervous, but now after the nervousness wore off, now people are, you know, now that the back and forth is, is, is beginning again. Um, I don't know what your tag, what, what you guys talked about in tag. Um, we talked about, I should have had it in front of me. We alliterated ours for a while there. Uh, of some of the problems in the world. There was, um, anybody remember what the, oh, are, there are words. It was rioting, Rona. Rona, racism, the presidential race. Um, so we, we literally, so I think we, I don't have to spend any time like talking about, I don't think that we have problems in our world, right? I think we would, <laughs> we would all admit that. But then we would also, if we thought about it, and we shifted our focus to our life, we'd realize there are, you know, we have problems in our own life too. 
Um, family problems, they say, have become more like uh, more pronounced during the pandemic because a lot of people, at least for a while, and some still are, are spending a lot more time together. So any family issues that were already there are like on steroids now. Like, you know, if you had family problems before the pandemic, they're on steroids now. Uh, a lot of them, uh, we, we talked about how there are a lot of, there's just a lot of like hate going on. Um, there are friendship issues that, that, that go on. You, you know, some of you wish you had friendship issues, but you don't have friends. Uh, so that's, that, yeah, that's, that's a, uh, I was trying to say that to be, <laughs> to be nice, but like, like, you're like, I wish I had drama in my life, but I don't have people in my life. I don't have friends. Um, so, so all of us have, have things in our life that are difficult and that we struggle with. And the next question we asked in tag was, what, what, is, what is the underlying, is there like an underlying reason? Is there like a root of, of a lot of these problems in our world in our lives, and I'll submit to you that the, the underlying issue, the things that's causing all these problems in our world that we see on the news and social media, and the problems in our life, is the problem of sin. And here's why sin is the root of the problem. It's because when I sin, and when you sin, that separates me from God, and, and, it, and it, it, we, I can't have a relationship with God. And when I don't have a relationship with God, something that I was made for, something that yeah, I can't be satisfied outside of, that makes me a broken person and, and, and a person that has no lasting joy in my life. And then if I'm a person who doesn't have lasting joy in my life and I'm outside of a relationship with God because of my sin, that means it's gonna affect the relationship that I have with my family. It's gonna affect the relationship that I have with my friends. It's gonna affect my behaviors, which then affect my relationship with God even more. And broken people break other people. And what we're seeing going on in our world are a lot of people who don't have a relationship with God. They're trying to find their joy in, in a cause or they're trying to find their joy in pursuing something. And the underlying issue is sin. But the big good news tonight, you can turn to Colossians 3 as, we're, as I'm telling you this. The big good news tonight is that because Jesus lives with me, I can put sin to death in my own life. So we're going to be talking in Colossians chapter 3, and this was, if you don't have your Bible, it's okay. I've got the main verses on the screen, but this is one of those, like if you brought your Bible and you're one of those, like I got a pen and I'm not afraid to use it, and I'm going to like underline some, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to underline some of those daggone verses, just, just, just get ready. Colossians chapter 3, we're going to read something about our relationship with God and how some of you in this room may not know it, but you died. So to kind of set this up, the book of Colossians was written by the Apostle Paul. He was a church planner. And there was this church in this city called Colossae that Paul had never been to before, but he heard about how this church was balling. I mean, they were balling like, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, unfortunately, are balling right now. Hate, this, hate the Steelers, but I'll give it to them. They're doing so well right now. Anyway, we're not getting into that. You know, this church was balling. They were reaching people, but they were in this small, kind of like small town USA in Greece, in the, the, you know, the Greek empire. So we understand small town stuff, right? Like, like we, sometimes we feel like Huntington is a thriving metropolis. <laughs> and then we leave Huntington and we're like, yeah, I'm from Hicktown, USA, guys. You ever go somewhere else in the country and they're like, where are you from? I love your accent. You know, like, I'm like, I don't even, yeah. Anyway, so this, this city of Colossae and this church was small town, USA. It was a very small town. You didn't go there unless you needed to go there. But in this town, there were three groups of people that were all kind of living together. 
The first group of people were the people who were native to that land, and you're just going to laugh when you hear what they were referred to as. This was their name. They were the Phrygians. <laughs> so <laughs> you could say this city had friggin' problems. Yeah, they were, the, they were the Phrygians. They were the native people of that land. But then there was a group of Greek colonizers who moved into that city and kind of, quote unquote, discovered that city and conquered that city. So you have the Phrygians and the Greeks. And then the Greeks, when, when the Greco-Roman Empire conquered Judea, all of the, they, they rounded up a bunch of Jewish people and forced them to move to Colossae. So you've got three like totally different groups of people. You know how that is when like schools mesh together or like, you know, you, you, you know people you, and they know people, but like when our circles mesh, it's weird. That was what was going on there. And then in the midst of that, this guy named Epaphras from a city called Laodicea came to this city and he said, let me tell you guys about Jesus. And what was so cool was that some of these Jewish people believed in Jesus and some of these Phrygian people, I laugh every time I say it, some of these Phrygian people believed in Jesus and some of these Greek people believed in Jesus and these people that had no business being together, they met together and, and started a church because they were all Christians. But then what started happening was they started bringing each of them some of their own religion into that church and mixing it up with belief in Jesus. It's kind of like golden, you guys remember, I'm, I'm afraid to say it because it's, it's going to make me sad, but you remember Golden Corral? It went out of business, which is really sad. But how many of you have known the glory of gold, the Golden Corral? Any, any, anybody willing to admit you've been there? You, you, you got the salmonella to prove it? No, uh, if, you, if you know Golden Corral, you know, the chocolate fountain. The cotton can, you can, on your plate, you can have like nachos, fried chicken, a slice of pizza, cotton candy, and then you can put it under the chocolate fountain. <laughs> that was what was going on at this church. It was at this church in Colossae. You had the, laugh again, the Phrygian people. They believed in Jesus, but they were these mystics. So they believed they get these weird visions and they believed in like worshiping these like angelic beings. So they're like, oh, we're gonna worship Christ. But then when Jesus doesn't fulfill us, you, we, we don't feel like we got enough. We're gonna try to get some visions and we're gonna try to worship these angels. And then you had the Jewish people who said, yeah, we believe in Jesus, but there's this law that we used to follow and we don't, we don't feel fulfilled by Jesus. We're gonna kind of fill this law. And then there were these Greeks that said, hey, you know, we believe in Jesus, but we used to believe in these other little gods and these other little rituals and these festivals. So we're going we're gonna to kind of bring that into the church too. So Paul writes this letter to the Colossians saying, guys, it's all about Jesus. You don't need anything other than Jesus. So we're going to jump into Colossians 3 now. You ready? We're going to read four verses. Colossians 3, verse 1, it says, If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things of the earth, for you have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So we're going to learn three things about, I'm going to tell you three things about me, and I want you to think about whether this is true about you. Because I am a Christian, I've believed in Jesus, so I know these things to be true about me. And the first is that I died. I died in Jesus. I died with Jesus. If you've got, the, if you've got your highlighter, you've got your marker, you might want to put under in verse 3 of chapter 3, it says, for you, this is talking to Christians, you have 
died. You may want to do what I did in my Bible. I circled the you have died, and then I did my little squiggly line to the margin, and I put a little tombstone. I'm a basic white girl at heart, okay? I I doodle in my Bible. I put a little tombstone on it, and it says, here lies, so you may want to do this too, put a little tombstone in your Bible. It says, here lies Matt, well, don't put here lies Matt McClay. (laughs) That'd be creepy. You're you're creepy. No, here, I put here lies Matt McClay. So you may want to put a little tombstone, but here lies, I'm not going to say your name because that might be creepy too for me to say that to you. But it says you have died. What does that mean? Because you may say, I'm a Christian, but I feel pretty daggone alive right now. You know, you know I, I, I'm eating, I'm sleeping, I'm you know, pooping. You know, like, like, I feel pretty alive. So how is it that I died? Well, I want you to take a little journey with me. Go down to verse 9. It says, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self. So that means you didn't, ju- you didn't die physically. Your old self that had that sin and that sin nature died spiritually. Why is it that I had to die when I got saved? That seems so extreme. (laughs) Have you ever, you want to get a conversation starter going? Walk up to someone and say, I died today. (laughs) When I was five years old, I died. Why, Why is it so necessary that we died with Jesus? Remember when we talked about problems in the world and problems in our life? Look at what these Colossians had tried to use to fix the sin problem in their life. The first thing that they used was, it's, it's a fancy word called asceticism. Fancy word, right? We'll explain it. In chapter 2, verse 18, and in verse 23, it says, Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism. There were these, there were these people that in, in the church that were from the Greek people. Remember, you had the Greeks, you had the Jewish people, and you had the Phrygians, all Christians, but all bringing their old baggage back in. These, these Greeks said that in, in order to be fulfilled in life and beat sin, those bad ha- you know, the bad habits that don't honor God, you have to live a disciplined life. If you have a problem with, with, with gluttony, you need to get on a diet, Jack. You need to download the, the MyFitnessPal app, and you need to track everything you eat. You know, if you're a lazy bum and you can't get out of bed in the morning and that's causing you to sin, somebody's like, yep, that's me, amen. Causing you to sin, what you need to do is you need to get some discipline in your life. You need to listen to the Jocko podcast or something, right, Joy? You you, you need to get some discipline in your life. You you need to listen to some podcasts. You you need to get a personal trainer. You You need to do this and then you'll find fulfillment and victory over sin in your life. What did he say here? He said, let no one disqualify you insisting on that asceticism. Verse 23, it says, these indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism. So they thought maybe just by self-denial, disciplining, listening to a few podcasts, you know, bettering yourself, you could be victorious over sin. Then there were some, the Phrygians, it says, let no one disqualify you, verse 18 of chapter 2, from insisting on asceticism and worship of angels going on in detail about visions. Sometimes we're tempted to find victory over sin by, by, by trying like, just to connect with like, spiritually on some other level. You know, there are people that say, oh, you know, I had this vision from God and, and God came down in a cloud and he spoke to me and, and he talked. To... The Bible actually says that God spoke once through Jesus, and that's how he speaks, is through God's word. So, so if somebody tells you that you know, yes, God came and visited with them and spoke to you, but there, there's a few, a few 
possibilities. First, they had something really weird to eat the night before, and it was a dream. You know, the, the, the second is that they really were spoken to by, by something supernatural, but if God is only speaking through Jesus in his word, then what other supernatural thing could be speaking to him? That's scary. Three, they're just liars, and who would trust a liar? Or four, they're just fr- friggy and crazy, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and you don't need to be listening to them. But sometimes we think, the Bible... It just seems so, yeah, there, there has to be more than just reading your Bible and conquering sin. And, and that's what these people were thinking. There's got to be some, some experience I can have. And then the next is, it says in, in verse 23, self-made religion. These were the Jewish people who had their Torah and they had their law. And they're like, yeah, they're like we, need, we, we can't do anything on the Sabbath and we have to, protect, you know, we, we have to observe this and we have to do this. We have to check, check this I and, and check this T. Those are the people that say, I refuse to, um, yeah, I, 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 ref, yeah, I refuse to listen to this kind. Yeah, it's good to have standards, but they're the people that say, if you listen to this kind of music, you're going to sin. Or if you, if you shop at that store, like that's ungodly, you know, or, or if you buy like a particular brand of pepperoni. I've literally had somebody tell me, if you, that if you buy a particular brand of pepperoni, you're sponsoring ungodly activities and, and, and you're sinning. Yeah. So it was that kind of like that self. I've literally had somebody tell me not to buy Hormel pepper. I don't know what's going on with Hormel pepperoni, but somebody was very much against buying Hormel pepperoni. But, um, but <laughs> anyway, uh, but it's, 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 that self, it's called self-made religion. People taking things that aren't in the Bible and trying to make you do it. And sometimes we feel like, well, maybe if I do that, maybe if I listen to that, maybe, if I, maybe I'll have victory over that sin in, in my life. But look at what it says about those three things that they were doing 2,000 years ago, and we're still doing, if we're honest today. It says, they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. You know what the, indul- the indulgence of the flesh sounds pretty, pretty creepy too. That just means sin. So all of those things, you know, trying to have these, vi- you know, trying to connect on this deep spiritual level, uh, you know, trying to just listen to the, you listen to podcasts and get, and get yourself like disciplined and into shape, or trying to, you know, try, trying to come up with all these extra biblical laws, they are of no value in, stop, in, um, in, in stopping your sin. You can't beat sin that way. That's why you had to die. Read what Jesus did. Verse nine of chapter two, it says, in him, Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. That means Jesus was God. He was God in a bod. And you've been filled in him who's the head of all ruler and authority. Here is everything that Jesus did to you when you said yes to Jesus, when you put your faith in Jesus. Here's what happened to you. The first thing that happened to you is he filled us in him, verse 10. The next thing that happened, it says, he put off our old self. Verse 11. Uh, Verse 13, it says that we have been made alive together with Jesus. You didn't just die. Jesus gave you a new life. Hey, Logan, up here, man. Up here. Jesus gave you a new life. Uh, After verse 13, you see it uh, continuing in verse 13. It says, you who were dead in your trespasses, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. What did God do with your sin? Here's what he did with your sin when you died. Verse 14, it says, he canceled the record of debt that stood against us with legal demands. He set it aside, nailed it to the cross. So the sin that you've tried all these different ways of beating and couldn't beat, when Jesus's hands were nailed to the cross, your sin was nailed to the cross with Jesus and then in verse 15, it says, he disarmed the rulers and authorities. That's a fancy way for saying Satan and his demons. He disarmed the rulers of authorities, put them to open shame. I like that. Like Jesus like, didn't just like conquer Satan. He trash-talked Satan. Like, like, like 
putting them to shame, triumphing over them in him. All that to say is there's only one way to beat sin, and it's by allowing Jesus' death on the, sin, on the cross and when your sin was nailed to the cross to be your death. That's why it says in verse 20, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, that's your flesh and your sin, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? If you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, why are you still trying to beat your sin by yourself is the question he's asking. You died with Jesus. And how do you die with Jesus? It's by believing in him. It says through faith. Um, verse 12, it says through faith in the powerful working of God. You don't die to sin by being baptized. Baptism is a good thing. Baptism is a picture of what Jesus did for us. You don't die to sin by being baptized. You don't die to sin by going to church. You don't die to sin by going to VBS. You die to sin by putting your faith in Jesus by believing on his name. So all that to say, that was the, the heaviest part of it. It gets a little easier, okay? I know, I know, I see getting glazed over. All that to say is I died. Have you died? If you put your faith in Jesus, you died. But here, here, here's the good part. I'm not just gonna pronounce you dead and send you on your way. The, the good news is that now you're alive. Um, the good news is that now Jesus lives in you. He gives you life. I put a picture of a baby because babies just remind me of new life and they're cute. Um, the newborn babies aren't real cute. They look, kind of look like the end of a hot dog. But, but once they get a little fat on them, no offense to, well, none of you should be having babies yet. But, um, um, yeah, anyway, they get a little chunkier and they get cute. Um, and it reminds us of new life and fresh and, you know, you're, you're just you're babies. Um, you died in the past. And it says, now Jesus lives in you. So verse three, it says, you died. And then it says, and your life, how can you die and still have life? It's because Jesus gave you new life. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17 says, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone believes in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and all things have become new. So now it says your life is hidden with Christ in God. What does that mean by hidden in Christ? That means that when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees Jesus's blood. Your life is hidden with Christ. When God looks at you, he sees Jesus. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does your new life make you positionally with God? When God looks at you, you want to see what God sees when he looks at you? These are the eyes of God looking at you, verse 12 of chapter 3. It says that you are God's chosen ones. You know, we've been talking about the election. The biggest election happened a long time ago, and it was when God chose you. You are his chosen ones. That means that even though sometimes you mess up, you sin, God still chooses you. <laughs> That's hard for me to think about because there are times I fly off the handle, get angry, do things I shouldn't do. God still chooses me. Then this one blows my mind even more. God's chosen one's holy. Do you look in the mirror and think, I'm looking holy today? I don't. <laughs> I know April looks at me and she does not look, she does not see holiness. You know, the, the people that are closest to you, you know, look at the person next to you. Do they look holy to you? Do they look holy to you? When God looks at us, how can, how can God see holiness, perfection set apart when he looks at us? It's because your life is hidden with Christ. And maybe this is the coolest one. 
it says you are beloved. That means like an affection, that God has an affection for you, that when God looks at you, he doesn't roll his eyes. Do you look at your younger brother or sister and roll your eyes sometimes? Or your older brother and sister and roll your eyes because they do stupid things? Think about what God sees and the stupid things we do. And God doesn't roll his eyes when he looks at us. He smiles because our life is hidden with Christ. When God looks at us, he sees Jesus. That means positionally, in God's eyes, we are those things. We are chosen, we are holy, and we are beloved. But then there's the flip side of that, though. At the end of the day, especially when you have a bad day, do you feel very chosen holy and beloved. (laughs) Sometimes you end up feeling rejected, (laughs) dirty, and hated. At least I do sometimes. Why is that? It's because we still have that old sin nature in our lives. We still struggle with sin. Anybody here not struggle with sin? I would like to just like come over and give you a non-COVID like handshake and congratulate you. Because even though we are Christians, even though God sees us hidden with Christ, we know that we still struggle with sin. So what what do we do about that? That's the third thing. That's the final thing. Is that because Jesus lives in me, because my life is hidden with Jesus, I can put sin to death. You know, one thing I'm really excited about, I hope this doesn't offend you. uh, One thing I'm really excited about is my my holy, holy season is coming. When the leaves start changing, I start putting out, you know, some of you know, some of you, I start putting out cameras, I start putting out feeders, and there's nothing I like better. Like, if this offends you, just put your fingers in. There's nothing I like better than pulling a trigger and watching a deer just drop. I'm sorry, I love killing deer. (laughs) I love shooting Bambi. Wow. Just remember this, I am positionally holy before God, okay? The Bible says that we're supposed to be killing, not deer, killing sin. Look at verse five. It says, therefore, referring back to what happened to you, you died and your life is not hidden with Christ, therefore, put to death What is earthly in you? That's your sin. Put it to death. So because Jesus lives within me, instead of fixing my crosshairs on a big old 11-point buck, I fix my spiritual crosshairs on the sin in my life, and I can kill it. Not because I'm disciplined, not because I've got the, all. it's because Jesus gave me the power. He gave me new life. Then it starts listing some of the sins that we're supposed to be killing. And that's where we're going to get into the application. How do we do this? How do we kill? I'm, I'm, for the next, I've got three minutes left with you. So for the next three minutes, I'm going to teach you how to be nat, not natural born, how to be spirit born sin killers. You guys ready for three minute spiritual boot camp? I'm going to make you into deadly killers. You ready? Okay, I've got, they're all words about changing. So here's how to kill sin. The first thing is you've got to change your mind. You've got to change what goes on in here. Anybody wonder if there's something going on in here sometimes? I wonder about myself. But look at what it says. It says, since you've been raised with Christ, because that new life, verse one, it says, seek the things that are above. 
where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Then it says, set your mind on things above, not earthly things. So seek, that has to do with what I prioritize. When I wake up in the morning, what am I thinking about? Am I thinking about Jesus or am I thinking about the election? I've decided to keep the E out of the election. It's just the election now. Yeah. Am I thinking about Jesus or am I thinking about the election? Am I thinking about Jesus or am I thinking about who I want to see at school and make a good impression on? When I wake up in the morning, am I thinking about Jesus or am I thinking about what I want for Christmas? Because you know you're already thinking about that, right? Uh, yeah. what, what am I prioritizing in my life? What's the most important? Because it, it shows you, it says, and then in verse two, it says, set your mind on the things that are above. That means we continually think about Jesus throughout the day. I'll tell you this, if, you're, if the majority of what your mind digests is you scrolling through video after vi- your clip after clip after clip after TikTok after TikTok after TikTok after TikTok, I mean, there's nothing inherently, I should say, wrong, wrong with doing some scrolling, but that gets in your mind how much time are we spending thinking about Jesus? And it doesn't just say think about Jesus, think about that he is seated above at the right hand of God. So we have, to, we have to change our mind. Romans chapter 12, verse two, says that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Garbage in, garbage out. So sometimes we wonder why we struggle so much with sin. It's because we're polluting our head and then our actions get polluted. So we have to change our mind. The next is we have to change our targets. Some of us are more worried about knocking off other people than we are knocking off the sin in our life. It says here, put to death. Like it, the, the Greek actually kind of says like mortify sin. If you want to read a really wordy book by a puritanical writer, read John Owen, The Mortification of Sin. Uh, yeah, some of you that really like poetry would like, that, would, like, would like that book. It says put to death what is earthly in you. And then it gives a list. Hmm. Should we go over the list? Sexual immorality. That Greek word is the word pornea. You know what that sounds like, right? It sounds like something that's available on virtually every device in America right now. Have we put to death the sexual immorality, not just in our actions, but in our minds? Impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, wanting what we see somebody else had or did, anger. Some of us need to Seek and destroy every day anger because we struggle with that anger. Wrath, malice, slander. Slander is a real fancy word for gossip, for drama. I promise you one thing. If you don't wake up in the morning, cock your shotgun, your 12-gauge, and go looking to root out slander, it will work. It's your gossip, drama, it will find its way to you, won't it? right? Or does nobody else ever have to deal with drama? It's just me? Really? Just me? It must be me. I must be a dramatic person. Wyatt says, yes, I'm a very dramatic person. We need to target these things, obscene talk line. We should wake up, don't take this the wrong way, we should wake up with a kill list. What sin needs to be out of our life by the end of the day? Then the final thing is change your outfit. It says in uh, in, chap- in verse 12 of chapter three, it says, put on then as God's chosen one, and then it gives a list. That word for put on is a Greek word that kind of has to do with sinking into clothing. So, you know, some of us, you know, when you put on a, like a tighter pair of jeans, you're like not sinking into it. You're like, hur, 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 you know, you're really trying to get into it. Well, that has, <laughs> that was a little disturbing, I'm sorry. So, <laughs> 
It has to do with like people in, in, in that time would wear tunics. Some of you girls probably still wear tunics, you know, like a, a, a loose fitting, like over your garment. You kind of, you don't just, you, you kind of put it on, but you kind of just, you know, sink into it. It's that, it's that thought. Sink into these things. It's written in the, the middle tense, which means yeah, God's doing it and you're cooperating. Here's what we should be wearing spiritually. Compassionate hearts, kindness, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiveness, love, harmony, peace, and thanksgiving. So the question is, are you walking out of the house every day spiritually nude? You may not see it, but other people see it. We don't have time to unpack all that, and it's probably a good thing because I get in trouble. When I start talking about being naked, I get in trouble. But we need to change our outfit. This is we're supposed to put off the old self and put on the new. So the, the, the final thing I want, I want you to remember before you leave is that because Jesus killed our sin on the cross, we can kill it in our daily lives. Like I said, don't have enough time. So maybe what you want to do is you want to take Colossians chapter 3, start in verse 5, work all the way down to verse 17, and read it when you wake up in the morning. Open your Bible, challenge, open your Bible to this, leave it by your nightstand, and when you wake up in the morning, before you check your phone, check your kill list and check your clothes. So I'm going to pray. We'll get out of here. How's that sound? Let's pray. Uh, Father, uh, thank you for Jesus. Uh, thank you that through his victory on the cross, through believing in him, we don't have to live in defeat when it comes to sin. And sometimes there are sins that creep into our lives and we feel like we could never beat, that we could never get out of, uh, that, that has a stranglehold on our life. Uh, God, I pray that we will remember uh, that you killed sin forever so that we can kill sin every day. Um, God, I pray for people that are struggling with specific sin tonight. Um, God, that they will give that over to you, um, that they will put it to death every day, and that if they have questions or if they need, need someone to pray with them, um, they'll find a leader before they leave. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.